it, it took me a little bit to kind of become involved because I wasn't quite looking for anything, any a film like this. It was uh, kind of came out of left field, and the reason that I took it seriously uh, as an option for you know for my next role was um, Sam Raimi. He, uh, he called, and uh, we'd almost worked together before, and we knew each other. He gave me a call and told me that, you know, aside from this being a vampire film, it was going to be something that was, you know, quite elevated, you know, something that was actually worth working on, you know, as, a, as an actor, you know, not just, it's not just going to be running and screaming, which gets a little boring, you know, uh, if you're doing that for five and a half months. So he, I met David Slade. I read the, obviously read the graphic novel and read, uh, read the screenplay, and thought it was really interesting concept. Something that was, you know, new and simple, you know, in a certain way. And I thought, why didn't other people come up, come up with this? Which is where I think the best movie concepts come from. I mean, a lot of it just comes from we create, we created this character's drama that was a little bit different from what was in the comic book. I mean, the inspiration for me was mostly coming from Minnesota, understanding the cold, understanding, you know, uh, fear on a, on a few different levels, and uh, and just kind of having had relationships that just don't work out. And, you know, I mean, it was it was all personal, I guess. Before we even started filming, I had a few interviews, and people asked me what you know what this film was about, and I called it a a western uh, a western style suspense thriller you know because it's it, it has that sense a real kind of uh, man on the edge of civilization fighting against an outside force you know trying to hold the sound together his town together he's a sheriff after all I mean it's very it's very high noon I was focused kind of on what it would feel like to you know inject some vampire blood into your body you know and like what you know what sort of a reaction you would get is that like injecting bleach into your veins or like what what happens you can feel it. That cold ain't the weather. That's death approaching. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent, here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. Hello. <laughs> this week, winter horror. We're talking about uh, movies set in cold, snowy, winter-like environments. And uh, I think that's about all these two films have in common this week. We're going to start with the smaller of the two movies. Uh, smaller in every way. A little $4 million budget film called Frozen. From 2010, written and directed by Adam Green. Probably most people know Adam Green as the creator of the Hatchet franchise, which I think is up to four films now. Indeed. Um, this is a story of uh, three friends who go on a day trip to a ski mountain, Mount Holliston, Vermont, which I believe is fictional. I think Holliston might have been the town where... Adam Green grew up in Massachusetts. Kevin, you know it. Um, <laughs> anyway, they get stuck on a chairlift. That's it. That's the plot. Mm. Three people on a chairlift. <laughs> this is like, I think, a pretty extreme example. We've talked about this before of like fixed location horror. Reminded me, of course, of Open Water. The movie mm -hmm. about two people treading water in the ocean. Still never seen it. For two hours. Oh, man. It's great. Uh, I liked it at the time. Haven't seen it in a long time. But even something like Devil. You guys ever see Devil? Yeah, the elevator. I like Devil. Yeah, a whole thing in an yeah. elevator. So we've talked about that kind of stuff before, but this is a pretty extreme example. Also, this is like, there's a lot of classic like survival horror elements in this, almost like Deliverance or something like that. So it's kind of a combo. Um, the young couple, uh, Parker and Dan, they are with Dan's lifelong BFF, Lynch, first name Joe. That is uh, based on Joe Lynch, real-life horror filmmaker who has a cameo in this movie. We can talk about him. Um, they bribe their way onto the chairlift for one last ride after the mountain has shut down. They're closing the chairlift. The guy's chaining it up. This isn't a mountain that's open late. And uh, then through a, a series of very mundane sort of circumstances, they get forgotten about or, more precisely, Somebody thinks that they've left, but it doesn't really matter. The point is, they're stuck. The chairlift stops. The lights go out. Everybody goes home from the mountain. Of course, this is the last day this mountain is open until the following Friday. 
and this is Sunday night. So it's a pretty tough situation. Of course, there's also a storm rolling in. Uh, of course, uh, Mount Holliston happens to have the biggest, scariest wolves in all of New England. Apparently. <laughs> I've never seen a wolf back like this ever. I mean, we, we live in New England. Um, so there's a lot of unfortunate uh, events that happen in this movie. I love this movie. Um, I think this transcends by far its obvious limitations. Um, I think everything works in this movie. The performances by very young actors at this time, very good, I thought. I mean, the whole thing is obviously this type of fixed location. It's going to hinge on those performances. And I thought everyone did a great job in this. I mean, might not be Oscar worthy, but better than I would expect probably on paper. Um, I thought the pace really moves. Um, I really admire getting this much tension uh, out of this you know, this setting for 90 minutes, uh, I'd never, I thought it never dragged the whole way. Um, and not only that, like it keeps ratcheting up the tension, you know, you keep thinking that like they're out of gags, like what else can you do on a chairlift, you know, but they still keep finding ways to kind of like crank it up the whole way. Um, very impressive, very effective. Love this movie. Big recommend from me for winter horror. And, uh, this is our rental right now. I wouldn't say frozen was my favorite movie that I've ever watched but it it has I was waiting for the frozen uh, the better frozen reference and the oh I've been asking for a Disney movie for almost two years now and I finally almost kind of got there Um, but I thought this one had its merits for sure as far as horror movies go it mostly just kind of stressed me out a lot Uh, like imagining myself in a terrible situation like this and just wanting to yell at the screen the whole time. Uh, There are so many moments that you experience the whole, maybe it'll be different this time sensation, even though you know it's just going to be the same thing. The worst was definitely the plow guy for me, though, when he was so close to seeing all their little things just dropped in front of his little plow, but he had to listen to whoever on the radio or like turn his stupid little head. Great near rescue. Yeah. Uh, It's his fault. I think this whole thing is definitely his fault. Um, It's just like, just look over there, man. But whatever. Ah, They stay stuck on that beautiful little lift for just the whole time. Um, As far as the body horror goes in this one, I thought they did a good job. Definitely some frostbitey moments, some little cringy moments. Uh, The best or worst part for me was absolutely the whole uh, leg, the leg scene. I think we all know what I'm mm, talking about. Mm, mm. Poor little guy drops down and straight up compound fractures both of his legs. I watched this scene in my literal perifs, um, just stared at the wall next to my TV, so I didn't have to watch it. Um, but I still figured I could still see what was kind of going on. I was picking up what he was putting down, um, but no I didn't want to. <laughs> I just didn't want to look at his little stumps with his little bones popping out as he's like trying to drag himself around. It just wasn't something I wanted to watch for like five minutes straight. I will say that at the start, I wasn't super into the acting from the main characters. It seemed like very teen film kind of situation to me. But I thought once shit started getting real, uh, they really did a good job at portraying the horror that people in this situation would be experiencing. So I'd give it like a solid seven out of ten. I love this one. I I didn't think this was going to hold up as well because I watched this when it first came out. Right around, it wasn't the theater. I didn't. I don't even know if this came out in theaters, but I definitely picked it up, either a rental, VOD. However, Adam Green has a really bad habit of starting his movies with really bad dialogue and taking you some time. So, I've talked about this with some friends that I should love the Hatchet franchise. Like, I am a sucker for this stuff. I don't like the Hatchet franchise. I don't know why. I don't, it's I don't it's either. never won me over. Yeah, and me and trust me, after watching Frozen, I was like, you know, me, I mean, granted, I'm like going to bed. It's, it's late, but I'm like, God, why don't I like the Hatchet franchise? And I just, I don't. I'm sorry. This one does suck when it starts. Like, it's a tough one to get through. But if you are a fan of the movies that Trent mentioned, 
these really close, very, very small cast enclosed horror movies, you have to watch this movie. This is a must see. And if you're a skier or a snowboarder, you have to watch this movie. I have lived in Maine my entire life. I have never skied or snowboarded. I have never been to a ski mountain unless it's to play a gig. Uh, So I don't know what it's like to be on a chairlift. I do know that I wouldn't like to be suspended 50 feet in the air for a amount of time and talking to friends that do ski and snowboard they're like oh yeah the lifts like pause and stop and jerk all the time i can barely get through like the excalibur roller coaster at fun town <laughs> splash town usa hey plug sponsor um let alone sitting on a chairlift that may or may not get me there but you guys both just made the point that makes this movie totally watchable and stand up once you get into the thick of it uh, you somehow Adam Green gets you to totally suspend your disbelief for about 60 minutes, which is the crux of the movie after you get through the intro. And the acting definitely takes a jump. And these people really, e- even though they're in a situation that you're like, I would have made 16 different decisions before now, they sell it. I do love uh, leg guy, Kevin Zegers, who we just talked about. Uh, he's Dan in this movie, but he was also nice mall cop in Dawn of the Dead. Yes, and he right. was in Wrong Turn One. Right. Um, so he keeps showing up, and the guy driving the plow thingy cat that you talked about—that's Kane Hodder. It's a horror legend. Um, so I love that quick. Adam Green has oh he he's big in the horror world. Like he's pulled an Eli Roth. He has a lot of people that like him. Uh, for me, it was uh, the things that I hated about the movie is what may kept me engaged, I guess where like there's some bad dialogue, like they throw out some, Oh, that's so retarded. And there's just some, for 2010, there's some, yeah, Mm -hmm. there's some, some questionable dialogue for when this movie came out, but it's like Sean Ashmore plays Lynch that Trent talked about. He's uh, Dan's BFF. And then Emma bell plays Parker. Uh, we would know her from Final Destination 5 or first season of The Walking Dead where she's fantastic. Um, there's just scenes as they get into shit where there are some like really hard interactions between them. And they're like downright mean to each other. And then they'll flip to a scene where it's stuff like, uh, all right, uh, top three celebrities that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, which gets quickly interrupted. And I was like, no, 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 finish that game. <laughs> uh, like I'm way into that. Um, so they do flip things around. There's enough... I think gore and there's some really good implied gore. Um, Yeah. I don't know. It's tense. It kept me, I was shocked that this movie kept me engaged 11 years later after seeing it. Um, And yeah, I I would, I would give this cat, you want to go seven out of 10. I'm going to say if you're a skier, this is an 11 out of 10. Uh, And if you're just a fan of like really low budge, close quarters, small cast horror, it's an eight out of 10. I don't think it looks cheap, even though it's low budget. It's no. just uh, it just doesn't use more than it it needs to use. And uh, I love this movie. I I hate movies like this that are like oh the phone booth, you know the parking garage, and you they're going to be in one place. And I usually skip them. P two is and great. I, okay, well that's fine, but <laughs> uh, I usually skip them. And uh, this one, even after watching it once back in the day when it came out and loving it i was almost kind of hesitant i was like oh yeah it's just on a chairlift it must get boring i must have been confused it must be boring and then the parts where they're talking about like normal things you talk about to kill time like if you're in a long drive or in a car or around a campfire or whatever uh when you're just hanging out and you just talk about like your biggest fears and all their their biggest fears kind of had a little bit of like uh, it, especially uh, the guy who uh, jumps. Dave, you had a really good nickname for this guy that I need you to tell. Oh, about. Jack Efron. <laughs> That's what I was calling him. Yeah, he is so, Jack Efron. Yeah, for sure. like the second Dave said it, we put the movie on. He came on. But I thought he did great, especially like when when he his reaction to the wolves because of that story about Jaws, uh, like that type of thing being his his biggest fear. Uh, I found all of that acting to be very believable. And I liked that they were stupid in the beginning. It was it was almost like trauma acting 
Uh, there was like it was really goofy, stupid dialogue, but they were kind of like meatheads. And I think that showing the arc where they have to dig deep, uh, you know, and they're they're having all these like complex emotions all of a sudden, it makes you realize what they're going through. Um, but I always watch this every time, and I'm like, well, what would I do if this happened? And it's easy. I would take off all the jackets. And all the pants, and I would tie them together. That's the what old I was prison, <laughs> yes. the old prison oh. trick. Yes. Yeah, well, you tie them all well, together, well. and you just lower yourself down. At least down. you can maybe break the fall, even if it's only twenty feet or something. It's You'd be down to the of. bottom within an hour. I'm pointing at Dave right now. <sighs> I would definitely okay. take off all my clothes. Please, we we can. Get, I would like to save like an end segment of this for what would you have done. Yeah, because it's a classic. Like, this is a thing that I'm always afraid of. And, and I think of this all the time. Open water was the same situation. They got miscounted and forgotten about out there on the tour thing. Yeah. Like, just the simple idea of someone forgetting about you. You're the last people locked into a place or you're stuck on the chairlift, whatever it is. And nobody knows you're there. And, like, you're, there's no mercy to be had. You can't, you know, your cell phones are in the locker, whatever it is. So what I liked about that and what you just said, Trent, and what Dave was talking about is the conversation that they're having and the like gradual ramp up of tension. Worst way to die? Is No, it's so white privilege. It's so kids Snow white on privilege. a chair. <laughs> white privilege. Fuck. Yeah, we're good. We'll be fine. We're we're just kids not in Vermont on a chairlift. Like, yeah, th- yeah. Th- that's somebody will somebody will come happen. get us. With, so, like, right. in the what would you have done phase, I would like to all of us to keep that into consideration because, you know, I've definitely thought through a million things that I would have, you know, quote unquote would have done. I've never been on a chairlift, let alone left over a week at a ski mountain. But I thought that that was, I don't know if Green intended to do it, but it was effective when you watch it now, especially, I think, in a much more socially conscious society that we are where, like, they literally at first, they don't do a goddamn thing because they're like, this could never happen to us. Mm -hmm. Like, they're not going to leave us. We're fine, guys. You know, don't pee. Just hold it. Oh, I can hold it. We're going to be fine soon. And then when it's like, okay, well, now let's start talking about like your biggest fears. And then it gets to like the really like top three Christmas presents. That one hit me right in the feels, especially this time of year, because I literally grabbed a piece of paper and was like, what are my top three Christmas presents I've ever gotten? And like started writing them down. Um, I have them. Um, (laughs) Well, none, none of them, they have the whole conversation about worst ways to die. I thought that was really good. And none of them said jumping from a chairlift on a closed ski yeah. mountain and being eaten by wolves. Nobody <laughs> had that as their worst way to die. And yet now that seems up there. But that's... <laughs> you, know, you guys were talking about like the, the opening acting and stuff like that. Like I thought that this movie does a really good job of getting you to 27 minutes in is when the lights go out. The, the chair is stuck and then they milk that whole after the chair is stuck they're still milking it a little bit they're talking they're trying to like you said I thought they were just trying to be like don't panic I'm sure it's just you know a problem somebody will fix it you know we'll be fine and then the lights go out up and down the mountain all you Ooh. see all the lights go out that mm-hmm. was such a scary awesome moment and that was 27 minutes in so now to me you've plausibly gotten through I mean the relationship dynamics were like plausible so now you're a half hour in now you just have to find a way to ratchet up through one more hour and I thought it did it. You know, before you were in uh, uh, Paranoid Social Club, we were left on a mountain. Oh, I'm not surprised. We were, uh, <laughs> snowboard, there was a snowboard jump and then there was a stage at the bottom of it. The snowboarders were jumping over us. That's Which dangerous. was like a huge shovel of snow into the back of your head every time they did it. But they all took the snow cats and everything, and they took everything down. They'll, we'll be back up to get you guys. Yeah, and, yeah. Who who remembers the band up there? Who gives and a when shit? we called <laughs> on our cell phones, it's like really hard to hear. The dudes at like a party with like tons of people. He like what? He like couldn't hear us. But we managed our way down. I don't think that's the only complaint I have about this movie is that I don't think it was necessary to do all this and to die like this. I think that they could have figured this out. Yeah, but wolves in New England, apparently. Immediately immediately showing up the second the lights go out. So, like, there was just a full busy ski mountain. And now, like, the lights go out and the wolves are like, all right, guys, we know what that means. 
what and also what are they sharks they smell his little bloody knees from like however far away like they're not sharks though I know, but that's what I'm saying. She sa- said, what are they, sharks? I said, what oh, are oh, they, oh, oh, okay. comma, gotcha. sharks? <laughs> <laughs> what is this, anyway? <laughs> well, I mean, I think wolves have pretty uh, attuned senses of smell. Isn't that like their primary, that's their primary sense? I guess, but what the, looking for bloody knees? I don't know. It just like. It seems like a small And I feel like they me, mentioned it specifically to be like. Like, even the guy was like, well, we don't have wolves in New England. Like, how many more ways could you say that they're in New England? They said wicked a bunch. They made a funny joke <laughs> no, about New did. Hampshire women. That was funny. I don't know if you guys caught that that's joke. That's an old joke, and it's usually about, like, redneck. That That's a standard. What was it? It was something about, like, uh, fuck. What, they said, like, what does a girl from uh, New Hampshire say when she, what does she tell her dad when she loses her virginity? The punchline is... Get off me, you're crushing my butts. Boom. But it's like, Mar- I just felt it was very pointed at me because I'm from <laughs> New Hampshire and I smoke Marlboros. I don't know. that I, f- I related to this film in that way. Um, <laughs> I justified the wolf thing by, if they are in the area then this is probably somewhere that they know that they can come and scavenge. Exactly. Like once the sure. lights go out or there's like a certain period of time where there's little activity, they can come here and scav. Again, I can make excuses for this movie all night long. That's I'm just, a, I'm I just think saying, that's a small excuse in all the movies good. that we watch. I know. That, I know. Exactly. I mean, these wolves, maybe they were coming from somewhere else and they, but not know, all the knows? movies that we watch make us think about what we would do in the situation that we're in, which then I think opens up your mind to like the plausibility of some of the scenarios. Like the other movie that we're going to talk about that, that we're currently watching right now. Again, it's not a scenario I think you would ever think of yourself in as you're watching the movie or like when you're watching, you know, Friday the 13th, you're not like thinking about being in that situation. But this movie, the entire time, there's a certain part of your brain that this movie does that other horror movies don't or this subgenre of horror movies does. Is it like you're there and your brain's not just watching the movie. You're also like, what would I do right now? What would yes. I do right now? Right. That's like, kind how of plausible thing. is this? Yeah. Like it yeah. keeps you, it keeps you engaged for and better also, or for worse. I, I was like, what's going to engage me in this? Like, what's the big conflict? Like they're on a, a chairlift. And then when the wolves come, I don't even question why the wolves are there, if they're indigenous to this area. I'm just like, yay, wolves. <laughs> I didn't even think I didn't even think wolves were gonna be here. Uh, and that's you know, so I was like, okay, this is horror now, you know. I thought it was just gonna be a drama where these right. three talk through their right. feelings of the, the third wheel <laughs> you know and Well I spoiled the movie for fifty percent of the uh, of the hosts this week just in the text thread. Um, so I apologize for that. Yeah, I, I was really just teasing. I figured that wolves might play a part in a movie about people stuck on a chairlift. Yeah, that's. I didn't. I really didn't think they would cause a hundred percent of the deaths in this movie. <laughs> I thought maybe something else might sneak well, in. I wouldn't say it's a good fun fact. 100%. I want to make a really bad Frozen two. And I want it to be her friends be like, oh, come on. It's her bachelorette party. We're all going skiing. Just go. And she'd be like, fine, I'll go. And then it happens all over again. And then she's like, let's build a a, a prison style. Let's take uh, all our clothes clothing. off and dangle them down off the chair. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk more about this now. Dave, you, you said that you would have gotten out of this. Yes. And, and what was your method now here? Well, there's two methods that I had. One was to tie all the clothing together and lower yourself down like the prison method. Right. But no, the so, second but was, Dave, Dave, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. We, we talked about this. Someone has to stay up. So everyone's got to take all their clothes off. Then they pulled it back or up. Or at least like and just someone, their jackets. Someone's got to stay it. up so they can pull the clothes back up and throw them down to the now naked people. And then they can put their clothes on. And then the two people at the bottom go get help, fight off the wolves. And I, the person I, that stays up I there. I feel like if all three of you or even two of you are down there, you have less of a chance. It's not like you're laying there in a pool of blood. Yeah, he's got with compound fractures. That's why the wolves. You're just were climbing down enough. and you're fine. Yeah, yeah. but Aaron like, Ashmore, Lynch gets down there eventually too. And, and they're pretty aggressive. We see what happens. True. But the okay, second, the second okay. one, they've got a lust for blood. The second one is uh, snowboarders all the time. They take these big jumps in the Olympics and all this. They go 50 feet. You need to angle yourself. And put keep your snowboard on, push off, and you swing, and then you just go momentum, and you just land and go down the mountain. Like maybe they're not that good of snowboarders, but that is an option to distribute your weight 
yes. with the snowboard Agreed. and with motion Agreed. going forward. All right. I had a different idea that we talked about where eventually during the movie, spoiler alert, Lynch as they're, I mean, they're done. You know, Dan's dead. He's been eaten by wolves. His legs were turned into fucking Cracker Jacks. And Lynch climbs the cable. That's not going to happen. There's no way he's going to pull that off. Not going to happen. So what I'm saying is, and as he's climbing the cable, he's like, oh my God, my boots are so heavy. He does pull it off in the movie, but that is like pure steel. And it's cutting through and it's frozen and it's sharp. I thought that was way less realistic than the idea of tying some. It doesn't have to be all the clothes. Could have just tied like a couple, a few of the jackets together, at least broken the fall. And like Dave said, if you kept the snowboard on, instead of he takes his snowboard off, keep that on. That's that's going to redistribute the weight. And maybe you can hit it so that you don't break both your legs. So what I'm saying is as Lynch is starting to climb the cable, he's saying, oh, my God, my boots are so heavy. So one of my ideas was take your boots off. Put them on your hands. Have oh, one, of, okay. one of us sure. ties them, ties our wrists together, and puts the boots over yeah, the cable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you can shimmy to the next tower and get yes. to that ladder. Now, how are yes. you going to undo the boots? I guess you just you'll take it your hands out. You're going to worry about that when you get there. But I thought of that too because <laughs> the line, the the chairlift line is sloped down, and yeah. I thought of that too. If you could. Even Zip if you line. were just holding on to a jet, if you could like get, get something s- over the line snowboard up there and use and that as a, as a slide down, wow. that might have gotten you there. You know what you could do, though, is also just don't go skiing ever again. It's a rich no. people sport. In New England. Or maybe don't beg for one more ride when they've already started closing it down. They've already chained it off and said, we're going home here and now it's happy hour time. Yes, and no. you've already fucked this guy over by pretending she was pretending that she forgot her credit card and her girlfriends. She was single yeah. and ready to mingle. That and was the initial thing. the dude show up. I just, I what I really didn't like is after Dan has his leg thing happen is how fucking mean Lynch is to Parker. And my, my best friend's dead if you just stayed on the goddamn bunny slopes. Like, some of that stuff was like... Yeah, true. It's, it's a bit really, back and forth, though. I mean, she is. says some mean things to him, too. And, like, it's, you know, they're they're all cold. I don't they're, know. They're I'd getting, be mating. Yeah. yeah. I think the ultimate way to avoid this would have been... Making more skiers. When they have the whole argument about... Or not an argument. They're discussing it. But they want to do this last run... I mean, Lynch and Dan want to do it. And she is like, obviously had enough for the day. They could have just said, honey, why don't you do whatever you want to do? Mm-hmm. Have some time. We're just going to go do one last run. The guys, if they hadn't had this idea that they all have to do it together and she has to come, even though she can hardly even snowboard or whatever. Like if they had just simply let her stay in the lodge mm. and they had just gone for the one, then she would have, she would have known that. They were up there, and maybe she would have had the key to the locker. I mean, everything would have been different. Just listen, because I'm always that person. It's like, why don't I hang back, you guys? Why don't you go do the fun thing? I'm going to chill and not be around anyone for a little while. That's what I'm here for, you (laughs) guys. I'm I'm that guy, too. Like, I'm that guy. Smoke a cigarette. (laughs) Oh, yeah, the the cigarette. It reminded me of Midsummer. Like, if they didn't just make Danny, they didn't drag Danny along to this thing, maybe (laughs) none of this would have happened. Well, Danny kind of. Good for her. Yeah. Uh, I think in all of the dialogue that we've talked about, what really broke my heart is when it's down to just Lynch and Parker and she starts to talk about her puppy. <laughs> oh, yeah. And how all she's thinking about how is how she has this puppy at home and that every noise the puppy hears that she's cocking her head and thinking that Parker's home. And like that... Like I don't know, maybe I was just in a very vulnerable state, <laughs> but Did you cry? I, that that br- yeah, I I was like <laughs> I can't well, handle this right now, Parker. Get the hell off this chair. Go get that puppy. That's um, that's very reminiscent of one time I left uh, for L.A. to uh, do some to, for on a work trip, and um, I asked my sister to feed my cats over the weekend. And then um, when I uh, when my roommate at the time got home, like the day before I was supposed to get home, because she was also on a work trip, she was like, hey, um, when's the last time your sister was here to feed the cats? Because uh, there's no food and or water and they're yelling at me. So I texted my sister and was like, hey, bud, when's the last time you fed my cats? And she was like, 
Oh my God, that was her response. So she had forgotten to feed my cats over a three-day period. And when I obviously was very upset with her, she responded with, they're not going to be mad at you. They're going to be mad at me. And I was like, Melissa, in what world do you think cats think that I haven't just left them for dead in my apartment and that (laughs) I have set up someone else to feed them? And so I will never stop bringing that up because it gets me points and it allows me to do whatever I want to do. Yeah, I think think mine was... um, since I got home after being gone for six months, my dog, he sees me pick up my backpack or he sees a suitcase and it's it's over. He is like on me and like looking at me, dancing around. I don't know. So anyway, her well, dialogue. The dog, the dog anyway. wouldn't have died of starvation in a few days. I mean, I see dogs on the internet all the time. I like to watch dog rescue videos and stuff like that. Dogs can go way longer without food. You just Somebody has to find them like that week. Uh, and that brings me to the only other thing that I would have done differently maybe if I was stuck in this, um, this chairlift. I thought if they just all stayed in the lift and huddled together, maybe they could have even like made sort of a group blanket out of the jacks. If they maybe hadn't just panicked and started doing crazy stuff, maybe they could have survived and not at least totally died. Maybe they would have had frostbite. Maybe they would have lost... You know, some fingers and some facial um, flesh, you know. But maybe they could have made it to at least Thursday night. People are going to be at the mountain Thursday night, going to be, like, checking stuff out for Friday. I think if they had just not panicked, they might have made it. It's an option. They jumped to conclusions. (laughs) Yeah, the guy's jumping off a 100 foot. I think it was more than 50 feet. I think they they were up there. Oh, was it 50? So, yeah, so to go into, do you want some facts? Sure. So Joe Lynch that you talked about, who is one of the characters in the movie, he directed one of your all-time favorites, Trent, Wrong Turn 2. He directed Mayhem. Also Mayhem, yes. That you and I talked about, Creep Show, the 2021 series uh, on Shudder, which I actually enjoy. Uh, this was 100% practically shot, and they really were hanging 50 feet up in the air the entire time. Adam Green... And his cinematographer had to do all of this. There's some great photos. It looks amazing. There's some great photos you can find online where they are suspended in the air with their cameras. Wow. Like going, the all of the rest of the camera crew, when they got there, said, we're not fucking doing that. Well, they got great shots, like those spinning so shots of, of the lift and actually, everything. Yeah, it was actually green. It looks awesome. Um, and the cinematographer. Um, I never knew that this was an Anchor Bay film which that's a pretty big name in horror. I think that was like the DVD distributor. But I, but I never knew that Anchor Bay went defunct in 2017. I didn't either. That's um, too bad. Yeah, RIP. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in the movie, when you see somebody in the cafeteria with a Twisted Sister shirt on, oh, <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> D. Snyder's son, Cody. Cody Blue. Who was one of the director's assistants <laughs> on this. The, the voice that you hear in this movie that says the last chair is through, which is right before Trent, the scene you pointed out where the lights go out, that's D. Schneider himself. Yeah, that's that's how you avoid the chairlift. He's not going to take it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Zing. On lonely nights, I start to fade. On lonely nights, I start to fade. Her love's a thousand miles away. Her love's a thousand miles away. Memories made in the coldest winter. in here all right the next movie that we talked about for winter horror is 2007's 30 days of night directed by david slade and like the last movie this has a very simple setup although a much more complicated outcome Mm -hmm. so you have the town of barrow alaska which is apparently the northernmost town in the united states which we can debate but each year this town descends into darkness for 30 days. So on the last day of sun, before the sun sets and they are plunged into darkness for 30 days, the town sheriff Eben and his partner Billy are trying to lock down the town. And wouldn't you know it, his estranged wife Stella happens to be in town doing some work for the fire marshal's office. She gets stuck in town. Suddenly, they decide they discover that all of the phones have been destroyed. 
a stranger has come into town and is really fucking things up. And wouldn't you have it? Vampires decide that a Alaskan town plunged into darkness for 30 days is a great buffet. So I have a, a very personal attachment to this movie, which is going to make me partial to it forever. This is one of my favorite theater experiences that I've ever had. I saw this movie when it came out in the theaters and it was one of those experiences where I was with a bunch of great friends and it was a really fun, like kind of packed theater where we were all like reacting appropriately. We were all scared. We were responding to things. Uh, It's also one of my favorite Sonic movies that I've ever experienced. I love like what David Slade did with the sound design on this film. Um, So it doesn't really matter to me like how this movie ages for anyone else that's about to talk about this because I have a memory of this movie that I will carry with me uh, until I die that I had such an enjoyable time watching it. I also want to say that you had star power here in Josh Hartnett, Melissa George, uh, Danny Houston, Ben Foster. Like You had a really good cast and they all, in my opinion, not, again, not going back to the memory, but they all sold it very well. And I also appreciate this movie because I think that it brought us a different type of vampire movie in a time of horror where vampire movies were very throwaway. They were very cliche. And I know someone's going to say this, so I'm going to jump, jump the gun. 28 Days Later gave us some fast zombies. 30 Days a Night gave us some fast vampires and and maybe not sexy vampires. No, um, unless you consider like Adam Driver as a vampire. Good point. Sexy. Um, so I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna send this out into the rest of the cast because uh, I'm very partial to this movie. I, I watched it a bunch leading up to it and it still holds up for me. But again, I'm very partial. But hey, I still think this is a really really good horror movie. A good vampire movie and take it away. So, if you uh, talk about David Slade, and like, I think that this is the hard candy, like what Hatchet is to Frozen. It's like a minimal, you know, setting, and it's like the indie vibe, and then they have their. Wait, you mean, you mean like hard candy is Frozen, hard 30 ca- Days of Night is Hatchet? Yes, but I like I like Thirty Days of Night, but it surprises me that it was made by the same person as Hard Candy because it seems like a slightly higher concept. I don't know if the the vampires is too stylish for me. I I like the near dark vampires are like the perfect vampires for me because they're like a little ragged Fair. and they're like a little grimy. These guys like I, like when do they get their hair cut? and stuff like this guy's got a fresh cut they have suits they have suits suits. suits. so i had a little problem with that but i did like this movie overall it is like a good like theater experience it's an expensive exciting uh visually crazy uh horror movie a lot of great gore scenes um and i love that they utilize uh like vampires you know they thrive at night and they can't be around during the day and and to utilize the 30 days of night i think was very clever and uh, i was surprised that no one had done that before um i do think that parts of this are like it's like barely smart it's kind of like i don't know i i like it and there's the acting is not out of control it's a little bit campy sometimes with some of the like people lifting their heads slowly and like staring i don't know like but i i did like it pretty much it's it's kind of like an actiony kind of uh vampire movie but what do you think trent i mean i was excited to uh see this again i saw this at the theater too and i remembered thinking it was like a really good you know popcorn horror movie and Watching it now, I think I kind of had like horns syndrome. We talked about like sometimes you see a movie 
And you're just like, I love the movie theater. It's like my happy place. If I'm watching a movie in a theater, I'm already happy. So the standard is lower. Like, I loved the Black Christmas remake. I loved the movie Horns. Um, And I thought this one was really good at the time, too. And I was kind of confused as to why it got, like, a a very middling, like, critical response. Not that that matters. I often disagree with critics or whatever. But watching it again now, um, Kevin, once again, you've spoiled my take. This is uh, 30 Days of Night Later, so (laughs) it really could have just been a zombie movie. This is coming, you know, around that same era as 28 Days Later, and these, to me, like, could have just been zombies. Like, I don't know why there really isn't anything um, particularly vampirish about this, except that I guess they have to only... um, uh, you know be at night or whatever because they're vampires but i thought this had a great setup i loved the opening of this movie it looks amazing at first like you have these like these natural vistas of alaska you have the ship coming in there's like the whole renfeld character that rose off the ship and then you have the scene with like josh hartnett is looking out over the the sunset the last sunset that borrow alaska is gonna see it's a great line actually he's there with billy and he and uh He's like, Billy's like, yeah, took Maggie here for our first date. And Hartness like, yeah, we all did. Well, not, not Maggie, of course. <laughs> all of that looks amazing. Um, and, and the concept is so good. Like, okay, now the vampires are, you know, taking this opportunity to descend upon the town. But I thought like from there, I don't know, it went pretty downhill for me. Um, I don't think this is a great movie. I think it's weird that like the time management in this movie is so weird. Like this happens over 30 days. But you have no there's, idea. There's nothing it to seems indicate. Seems like two days. Yeah, there Josh, are. this is two days. He's grown this a, a beard. Two day movie. No, there's the there's the the they have the cards. Day eight. And then, okay, admittedly, at one point, they jumped to, like, day 27. Yeah, that's a lot of days. That's a lot of days. They've just been in this attic for that long? What the fuck was going on during all of those days? Sorry. Why were the vampires, what were they doing? I'm getting ahead of myself here. Touche, bro. I mean, Josh Hartnett, um, I think he's had a very interesting career, and I actually, I respect him more now because I was wondering, like, what happened to that guy? He was on the cusp of stardom at one point. He was in Pearl Harbor. 40 days and 40 nights. You know, um, he yeah, he was kind of like becoming a next kind of like it kid guy. Um, but what I found out is that he works all the time. He does a movie like every single year. He just does like smaller stuff. He I, seems like, and from what I've read, he just kind of didn't like fame that much. And he just, want, he just wants to do movies and yeah. not be the heartthrob yeah, guy. Me too. Yeah, so I I, res- I respect that, but to me in this movie, I I thought of him as like uh, diet Josh Brolin. Yes, kind of guy. You know, he, he's yeah. doing a lot of brow furrowing and hanging around. But um, <laughs> easy, I didn't easy. go act- easy on Daddy Hartnett. I didn't think the acting in this was that good, and there was a lot of like weird edits where somebody's talking, and then all of a sudden there's an edit where they look really serious. I, I don't at the camera or something. I, don't know, I thought yeah. that this was basically a great setup they had an ending in mind obviously the whole ending scene is like you know the big thing and then i thought that in between those two things there was just like a jumble of however long they shot this movie of like zombie vampires and then they just said well that was 30 days and edited some stuff together and then that's the end i don't know didn't love this one i think the thing that i disliked most about this movie was the distinct lack of the hot vampires Mm. Honestly, mm. I think I would have preferred to smooch Nosferatu over yeah. any of Whoa. these jabronis. Oh, you didn't wow. want the like fifty-year-old manager vampire? <laughs> what was that about? <laughs> that salt and pepper motherfucker. No, that um, Adam Driver was one of the other ones. No, the the I main the, the, the there was a manager vampire. Mm-hmm. Dude, I'm yeah. definitely gonna hit you up when I'm like, like hundred. One of the one of the, ball, <laughs> one of the Trent, you mean one of the bald vampires? However, I did also like that they were more creature esque. Uh, from a wanting to be spooked kind of a standpoint. Uh, they were fast, obviously, we talked about it. They were fucking brutal. Uh, they did not care about anyone's feelings. These were not the kind of vampires that were going to fall in love no. with any humans, no. which was a different take, and I appreciated it. Um, but they also weren't so primal that they weren't intelligent. So it wasn't like a the descent kind of a creature. Like, they weren't all the way in that kind of a zone. 
um they wore suits they fucking looked dapper they knew how to play records on the fucking Mm. you know on the turntable um they knew how to fuck with people and how to find out where they were and hunt them down so they obviously still had you know their human knowledge in them but they were just like fuck everyone it was definitely an action-packed little spooky number a lot of running around a lot of vampires just decimating these poor little alaskan folk um a lot of blood and guts as well which is always a fun time uh especially that uh, crazy face punch by our daddy of the week um indisputable mm. yeah it, it is we not too many daddies this yeah week. yeah so he took sure. it and i appreciate that um i don't think i've ever seen a fist Jack go Efron. right through a face like that so that was a real pleasant um a pleasant experience for me personally there was also a very serious decapitation scene towards the end that was very, very graphic good. Yeah, oh, very, good. very good i was not expecting that that kind of popped up i'd say this was a fun watch interesting premise the vampires were pretty much untouchable um which is why i think the ending was very um powerful if that's the right word um it was just a nice little winter watch it wasn't that bad you didn't really have a great week. <laughs> That's a resounding wow. endorsement. <laughs> I like. Was it I, that so bad? One thing that you brought up with the decapitation mm. is one thing about this movie. I will admit, and I, I have to come clean. I always complain about movies being too long. This is a pretty long movie. It's a little bit it too long. Yeah, like you guys laughing about it should be two days. Uh, and it's supposed to cover 30 days. Two days, max. Uh, uh, you can watch this movie and feel like, did it take me 30 days to watch this? I will admit no. that. And right now, this is only on Pluto with ads. So it's so long. So it can feel like 30 But days. you can rent it. If you're but, sane, you should just rent it. But the act scene, the decapitation. <clears throat> this movie is basically watching Josh Hartnett learn how to use an axe. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> because there's not one decapitation. He uses that axe. Just a couple. And it's like, all right, buddy, you got it this time. You, like the first time, the first decapitation took you like six swings. Can you get this in five? And I found myself watching this movie be like, all right, buddy, like you got, can you do this in three swings? Like, come on, Daddy Hartnett, you have this. Like you've, you've got this. Um, but I, I will admit that, yes, it is a little bit long. Um, but I also want to call out like what I did with the sound design and my experience with the movie and, and what, what David Slade did in hard candy is he loves to use color. He loves to put lenses over his shots. And so in hard candy, you notice through the course of that movie that he is filtering his lenses with different colors. And in this one, and we're watching it now, like he puts like a blue lens over this to make it feel almost colder. But also like, again, going back to like when I saw it in the theater and then I read about it afterwards, he would fuck with the sound design. So some of the scenes, Trent, I think that you maybe didn't enjoy. I distinctly remember watching in the theater where you were leaning in because he would turn down the volume as they were whispering, like when they were in the attic and then he would crank the volume up to like give you a jolt or like get you re-engaged. Uh, I've always remembered that and I always watch the movie with that memory. Therefore, I always watch this movie and particularly for the podcast in like a dark enclosed setting like I'm in a theater with the volume up super loud and I still find myself like riding the volume like why do I have to turn it up right now? Like while Josh Hartnett is dreamily whispering to someone and then oh my god and i have to turn it down now um i don't i I appreciate those things you you've mentioned the sound design of this particular movie before yeah in the past is nobody going to talk about the cgi in this whole complete deaths are just cgi whole heads explode tons of cgi in this i like it though it's not good i like it because i like the way that slade shot it though like i like the way that he shot it so it wasn't like bright obvious he could get around mm, I that thought it was pretty i obvious. also i, I also feel like it's a step mention, above resident evil but it's on ew, that that's, caliber that's harsh maybe i like um like i wanted to know and i didn't look it up like where were drones at in 2007 because there are some overhead shots in this movie 
particularly when the vampires, I when hated the sun that shot. sets. Yeah, I know you the shot. Hate that shot. About. How can you that hate shot. that shot? When the sun sets and the vampires are like, buffet time, we're at Old Country Buffet, baby. And, and it's just a whole uh, overhead shot of the town of people like it's like an old wild west town and people are running around getting killed by vampires and then the whole rest of the movie there's all these like uh red snow patches like don't eat the yellow snow this is like don't eat the red snow there's just all red patches everywhere i love that i I loved it i did really like the score to this movie actually i thought uh the score was very very good yeah it's interesting that was uh brian reitzel who did movies which you would not think uh, the Virgin Suicides, Lost in Translation, uh, and cinematography on this, which Trent just said he didn't like, uh, is Joe Williams, who did His House. I didn't say I didn't like the cinematography. I just liked that scene, that overhead scene where backtracking, backtracking, everyone's running around getting killed by zombies. Again, this is a zombie They're movie. Vampires. Just like you talked about all the axe scenes where... Hartnett has to learn how to kill people. That's all zombie movie stuff. That's not really vampire. Um, I mean, there, there's a lot of things about this. I, I thought that, like, the whole character of, um, what, what's his name? What's Hartnett's name in this? Eben. 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 So Eben's whole character, we've talked about this before when we talked about Hot Fuzz. There's uh, a very dated kind of cop character in these movies from the early to mid-aughts where the hero cop is uh, the by-the-book cop. And if you're a cop and you go out there and you bust everyone's balls all day long and you cite them for everything, like he cites a guy for like dripping oil Bo, on the street. We have to talk about Bo. Well, I'm talking a, about right now. Now, he cites the guy for dripping oil on the street from his like broke down jalopy or whatever. And then later he says, oh, I like to cite him every once in a while because it makes him feel like a member of this he community. He lives on the outside of town. This is the kind of cop we are trying to get rid of, okay? <laughs> this is not, <laughs> this is okay. over policing. I, I thought that was a nice no, touch. No, that's you, not nice. Here's the thing. No, I, it's not nice to cite people for crimes when they're not doing anything wrong that he, is not being a by me, the book cop you talk that's to the epa if he's not doing anything wrong he's now, spilling oil all over the place cop we no. don't want over but you think the guy just wanted to order uh beef tartar yeah and next thing you know the sheriff is grabbing and taking him outside what the fuck my, one I of my know. favorite scenes Outdated. is when so ben foster <laughs> Ben Foster plays the stranger, the Renfield character that you talked about, Trent. Yeah. And he ends up going to the diner and being like, I would like some raw hamburger. And so basically- <laughs> Is that a crime? He's the familiar. He's the guy the vampire sent in during the daylight right. to right. mess some things up around town and let the vampires come in. In this town, apparently everybody leaves. It goes from a population of 563 to 152. I and, like that guy. But there's a scene where he ends up in jail in your Wild West Sheriff's Jail. Renfield, Trent. same thing. And, but there's, it's almost there's a one point I where mean, he do. gets a hold of Eben's brother, of I think his name's Jake. Yes. And everybody doesn't know what to do, and Eben just walks in and just shoots him. Like, no questions asked. Like, yeah. Just, and then he hangs him up in a, in a um, torture position, uh, enhanced interrogation position this guy now he's just oh, shooting you're prisoners just, you're going hard he's hanging them up <laughs> in, hard in his interrogation like this is a bad cop also Sorry, when he bad c- cop. cuts the guy's head off it, I've, i felt even that was a little premature yeah i mean it's a i mean you know what i mean you well the no, first, the first you head did have to off? cut his head off but john reese the poor guy that had all of his dogs killed right he was saying he had a thirst for blood he was Pets like get it yeah he was like i gotta Pets get it early. I'm so in this thirsty. One. Well, yeah, that's like right off the bat. That was kind of a bummer. It was just like all the cool dogs were just like out, but whatever. I'm used to it at this point. Yeah. Also, like, why why do people have to leave town just because it's going to be dark for 30 days? They act like so. The beginning of the movie is this whole lockdown because the sun is not going to shine for 30 days, which I think is a really cool, you know, kind of setup. But why? Why does everything have to shut down? I mean, obviously, deliveries come into town all the time at night. Trucks drive at night. Planes fly at night. Like, what? Why? Why does the town have to shut down just because it's there's the no northern, daylight? It's the, the northernmost settlement. 
and they're like a hundred miles from any other like yeah, but they have lights, they have electricity, you know. No, apparently if vampires show up, that's because Trent? Renfeld showed up and cut the electricity. But I'm just saying, like, Don't why does Tom the, waits into this? Why right? does the whole Come town on. have to shut down just because the sun goes? I down? feel like it's like a snowbird situation. You know what I mean? Like all the people that live in Maine go down to Florida, like in the winter months. Maybe it's like that. Like you don't, don't. want to live in darkness for thirty days. Yeah, I would sure, but they're kind of like it. the oh, town exists. You know. Like the town exists. It has a population of about 4,000, not 563 like they have in the sign scene in the beginning. Mm. Um, but I mean, it's winter. The sun's not going to shine. They have it's weather It's only 30 days. In. It's 30 days, though. It's also based on a comic book, so um, we need to... I think uh, if, you, if, that, if we're, if we're able to suspend disbelief on horror movies week to week, then if there's... Any movie based on a comic book, you have to increase that by a certain percentage to suspend even more disbelief. This is a comic series. Yeah, that's fine. But then that leads into the timeline, which this movie apparently... I love it when you say, that's fine, but... (laughs) That's fine, but what are the vampires doing during all the other 27 days? Eating the other 400 and something people... It just seems like they five, do that right it, away. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, not not for one fifty two stayed. And yeah. I think we get about five or six. But they do survivors. all that like the first night they kill everyone, and then somehow how do they not know that uh, a bunch of people are in the attic or whatever? And then what's going on the whole other you know twenty five days? Yeah, I will say, I also was confused about the passage of time in this movie because they're in the attic for who. For who knows how long? It seems long. like two days. How? Yeah, you. Met, but then all of a sudden, Josh Hartnett's got like a half stash. You know, he can't really <laughs> grow a real beard. I mean, look at him; he's too handsome for that. I. Um, I think it's kind of hot when people can't grow beards. You like like a patchy Joe Deer- Dirt situation? Sorry, yeah. Joe yeah. Dirtay. Like Caitlin. Yeah, yeah. that's hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like my mom. I just <laughs> think that, like, I guess the the way the timeline boils down to me is that I would blame the manager vampire because there's a manager vampire in this who has a suit on. Danny Houston. Danny Houston. I mean, he does a great performance, but I just don't understand why it took him 30 whole days to get a hold of this very um, 150 people, as you say. What was he doing with his whole crew? What was his management just seemed like really slack? I mean... They missed some points there where... There's a scene where uh, Josh Hartnett runs to a house because there's an older woman that works for him, Helen, at the police station. She has cancer. She's been growing weed at her house, and she has some UV lights. And there's a really, I thought, was a great scene where he runs there as a distraction so that everyone else can get to a more secure location. And he burns one of what I interpreted as the lead vampire uh, Barlow I think it was like his girlfriend or something and Josh Hartnett gets her and she's her half of her face is that was burned. the Adam Driver character I thought no no, no this, is, this was <laughs> no this I know what you're talking about female yeah but she yeah but kind she kind of looks like Adam Driver this is the Adam Driver <laughs> well, no, we're talking about yeah. no there's another oh, Adam Driver had... character oh maybe there's two there are two for sure okay. there so, can never be too longer many longer haired wearing a dress Adam Driver vampire okay, okay. Uh, he burns her, and Danny Houston's character, the the lead vampire that you're right. questioning right now, is like, what what can be broken must be broken. <laughs> I know he yeah, keeps speaking, and it's like, like a foreign language, and so like there's subtitles, and he keeps saying like, "There's no God." I a lot of one liners. No, but what I'm saying, I I like that, but there's also the element where you have him. Like, you're saying, what the hell were you doing for these 30 days? Yeah. And like, I think he was just like, we're hungry. And hey, this is a great plan. Finishing off all, I guess it would take a while to. It's a great, no, but initially it's a great plan. Let's send our familiar in, our Renfield right. in, right. and do this. He's and then pessimist. he was like, oh shit, uh, we can't let people know. What I liked about this movie is there's also the element of we, the vampires don't want the world to know they exist. Right. So they're like, if you can if you're a vampire and you can be broken you're dead if you turn somebody and i didn't tell you that was okay you're dead uh obviously ben foster's character spoiler alert you're dead 
we never actually meant to turn you. But also, hey, there are some survivors in this town that have like outdone us over these 30 days. We're going to burn the fucking entire town down. I do like that when they, they leaked the pipeline and lit it on fire. I thought that was kind of a cool thing. I thought it was hard to even understand like what was going on. And I, I watched it a couple times and it seemed like it was just something that was edited together to try to make some sort of like comprehensive timeline. But I, I just didn't think it really made any sense. Like it just, I, it just felt like jumbled to me. Like it was like kind of thrown together because there was a beginning and there was an end. I don't know. It just seemed like a, kind of a patchwork. I felt like it's, Everything you're saying is 100% fair. I did like the um, zombie baby. That reminded me of um, Dawn of the Dead. Vampire child. No, no, it's not. It's a zombie baby. <laughs> Just like when in, in Dawn of the Dead, when they, when they break into the um, convenience store, and they're like, oh my God, there's a zombie baby comes running out, the original Dawn of the Dead. Same exact scene in this movie. I'm done playing with this one. Do you want to I, play with me? Yeah, now? exactly. That, that's why it I seems like more way, zombie to me. I did kind of like the way that vampires looked in general. Yeah, they other look than great. the style, like their their teeth. Yeah, I it thought was. they looked good. I mean, it's a good looking movie, no question about that. <laughs> 